Hey, what's up? You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show podcast. Thanks for checking it out and make sure you subscribed. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! Hey now, it is the Hammer and Nigel show. Surprise, surprise, Nigel's not here. Uh, Guy Relford pinch hitting today. And again, hat tip to the police officers that go out day in and day out. Every single night, overnights, evenings, all throughout the evening. It's a thankless job, Guy. You've got a mayor that doesn't support you. You've got a prosecutor that's doing everything in his power to screw you over. Yet you still got to go out there and do your job. And this takes us to a story that happened in the wee hours of the morning here. An IMPD officer fired their gun at, but did not hit an armed man who officials say confronted officers while they were responding to a domestic disturbance call on the northwest side. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I you know, I know a lot of cops, as you do, Jason, and I train with a lot of police officers, and, man, they hate these domestic calls for exactly this reason because you never know what you're going to get as a police officer. You show up, and it could be, you know, two people who are just upset with each other over somebody leaving dishes in the, you know, in the sink, or it could be something as, as, as violent as this where um, gunshots uh, are heard. We've, had, we've lost police officers right here in Indy. Brand Leith. Absolutely. Was shot through the door responding to a domestic dispute. Exactly. So they're scary. And I, I really have uh, all the respect and the empathy in the world for officers who have to respond to these things. The 30-year-old suspect now in police custody and the victim, his ex-girlfriend, is safe following this encounter. Uh, it happened around 4.30 a.m. at the George apartment complex which is uh, 5600 block of Sebring Drive. That's near West 56th and Georgetown Road. There was a disturbance of some kind, domestic dispute of some kind. Officers arrived, and once they got there, they encountered the suspect who was armed with a gun in a hallway inside one of the apartment buildings. And then the suspect confronted officers that's the term being used in the police report confronted officers one officer fired his weapon uh nobody was hit the guy was later taken into custody so this was a happy ending here uh, nobody lost their life but these are the things that happen every single night you know we talked about this one but there are tons of these things guys that don't get a lick of media attention and this happens every single night in this city it, it really does and you know what those folks are are, are willing and, and you said in, in an environment where they're really shown a, an incredible lack of support and we've talked about the number of officers at impd who are eligible for retirement right now and you know and 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 and, and just still be in, in that kind of an environment where they're not supported by the administration they're not supported even attacked and prosecuted by the current Marion County prosecutor to still be able to go out and uh, and willing to go out and put their lives on the line is pretty pretty amazing now guy i want to get your thoughts on something that i heard this past week from the prosecutor there was the prosecutor's debate that aired on RTV6 and Ryan Mears Started talking about the homeless situation here on Monument Circle. Something I know that you know all too well. You were walking up to yeah. do your uh, Monday gun day hit with us one day, and an aggressive homeless person uh, tried to shake you down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Th th threatened to kill me if I didn't give him money. Right. So the subject of aggressive panhandlers and aggressive homeless people in Monument Circle came up, and Ryan Mears' answer was, 
Just throw them in hotels over on the west side. Let's just tackle the issue of homelessness right now. I think there's a concrete solution that we can have with people who are looking for housing. Uh, there are a number of hotels on the west side by the Indianapolis airport where instead of doing the traditional prosecution, what we need to do is when we have interactions with those individuals, we need to say, hey, we would prosecute you for this crime, but this is what we're willing to offer you. We'll put you up in this hotel and we'll put you out of here. We'll take you out of the downtown area and we'll get you involved in the services that you need. Uh, we can have a public defender appointed. We can have a judge involved in the process to monitor that individual. And those are the types of things that, number one, are going to clear up some of the issues downtown, but also uh, offer services and help to the individuals uh, that we too often see downtown. I think that's one concrete thing that we can do that's pretty simple for us to put together. And, Guy, this is one of the worst-kept secrets in the city Correct. was that they used that Crown Plaza Hotel that's near the old airport's terminal, what used to be the terminal of the old airport, to basically hide the homeless. When there's a major event coming in town, a Final Four, something like that, this is where they take everybody. When COVID was a big outbreak, this is where they took a lot of people. Uh, this is where they put them up at this is something that if you live on the west side i wonder how many people actually know this is taking place well and it's, it's just slapping a band-aid on a problem without addressing the the root cause of the problem why do we have this number of homeless people you know, wh where do the social services go where did the mental health treatment go you know because because the the, the mental health treatment uh, for those folks who have either substance abuse or mental illness or both, the amount of dollars going into mental health treatment right now in Indiana is the lowest it's ever been, and it goes down every year. Why aren't we looking at the root causes of why these people are homeless and get them some help rather than just shoveling them off, you know, what, against their will? What if they don't want to go to the West Side? What if they go, no, man, I, I, you know, I'm making money on the circle panhandling. I don't want to go. What are you going to do? You put them in handcuffs? You're going to take them out there? You're not arresting them, he says. You're not prosecuting them for a crime. Well, you're just going to shuffle them out there and, and hide them from the public and pretend the problem doesn't exist. This is this is bad leadership. It's bad politics and it's bad policy. couple things here. Number one, how would you feel if you worked at that hotel? Oh, yeah. Let's say that you're in charge of like their banquet room or whatever, because I know for a fact there are some events that have meetings and things of that nature at that hotel. Uh you feel comfortable having your company's event there, knowing that it's the hotel selected, one of the hotels selected, where all the panhandlers and the bums are going to be at? Do you feel good about that? And number two, I'm going to go on the other side of your hypothetical situation here, Guy. I think these homeless folks are going to talk. Why would you not want to come downtown to Indianapolis and act like a clown and act like an aggressive fool? Because you know you're going to at least get put up in a hotel afterwards. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah there's a free ticket to a nice hotel room free of charge is just come down and be an idiot on the circle right. as a homeless person you got to be aggressive and you got to be arrested and then you'll get put up into a hotel yeah it's bad policy all the way around so speaking of bad policy what a great segue that was thank you guy <laughs> uh the inflation numbers are out and the cpi soars by 8.2 percent <laughs> So to put this in perspective here, uh, inflation up year over year, 8.2%, and also month over month, 0.4%. Let me break this down into terms that actually matter for people listening to this show. Under the Joe Biden administration, under these latest CPI numbers, gas prices year over year up 18.2%. <laughs> 
Grocery prices up 13%. Electricity up 15.5%. Milk up 15.2%. Eggs up 30.5%. If you can find it, baby food is up 12%. Airline fares up 42.9%. Core consumer prices up by 6.6%. Real average hourly wages down 3%. So the inflation year over year is up 8.2%. Your average hourly earnings down 3%. This is 18 months in a row under Joe Biden in which inflation has outpaced wages. I could go on and on, but I think everybody's about to throw up in a trash can right now. Exactly. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Hammer and Friends, Guy Relford filling in for Big Nige. Guy, you much of a golfer? No, I, I'm the only lawyer in North America who doesn't play golf. <laughs> I, I, I shoot guns, I ride Harleys, I don't, I don't have time for golf. You know, I'm kind of the same way, like... I'll get out there and get drunk and ride around in the golf cart. <laughs> like, I'll be the designated drunk driver on the golf cart. Yeah. But other than that, I'm not much of a golfer either. Now, I do have a putt-putt championship in my resume. Uh, well, and that's that's a big deal. It well, is. <laughs> I, I tend to agree with uh, Colonel Jeff Cooper. He's a guy who founded uh, Gunsight Academy, where I was just out training not too long ago, known as the father of American gunfighting. He used a great quote, which is, every golf course in America is a willful and deliberate misuse of a perfectly good rifle range. <laughs> <laughs> right. I can see that. There used to be a putt-putt course on the south side by Southport, uh, kind of right across from the Long's Donuts and next door to a Dairy Queen. And man, when I was in like middle school and high school, there's not much else to do sometimes. So we'd go out in the daytime and we'd play putt-putt. They had these uh, tournaments every once in a while on like a random Monday night. Mondo, you know what I'm talking about, right? I do. And I actually used to work at putt-putt golf back when I was in high school. Did you really? Yeah, before it turned into Rascal's Fun Zone in Whiteland. Okay. So I know a thing or two about putt-putting. So Hammer? I challenge you one of these days. <laughs> I'll bring it on. To a putt-putt contest. Bring it on. And I remember I won the putt-putt competition one night, and my options were you could get a little trophy or you could get, like, 25 free games. And I thought, as cool as the trophy would be, I don't think any chick is going to be dropping her drawers for that. <laughs> so at least I have a cheap date with the tickets, right? Well, well you know, and my only regret is, uh, you know, not being a golfer and being a competitive shooter. I mean, if I'm out shooting a sporting clay tournament or, or you know, or doing another uh, shooting competition. There's no drinking while you're in a shooting competition, right? And the one thing I regret is that golf looks like a lot of fun because drinking is not only acceptable, but it seems to be a, a, the preferred method of engaging in that right. sport. There are certain sports where the more you drink, the better you play. Yeah, right. <laughs> Bowling, darts, pool, pool. Uh, yeah. golf, I think, falls into that category. Yeah. So this brings us to this story in Arkansas. An Arkansas golf club... They uh, are at the center of a controversy over a prize that was offered if somebody were to hit a hole in the one, hole in one on the 10th tee. So this guy hit a hole in the one 
on the 10th. I keep calling it hole in the one. Hole <laughs> in one on the 10th tee. And the prize was supposed to be an F-150 truck from a local dealership, J. Hodge Ford. Well, the guy hit the shot. You know, he's taking his picture next to it. All this fanfare is happening. Um, yeah, the uh, company, J. Hodge Ford, said, yeah, we're not giving away the truck. This isn't anything that we agreed to. Uh, this golf course decided to run this promotion. They didn't officially finalize the contract. Yeah. So they're using some backdoor weaselly kind of stuff here, Guy. Where are you on this? Well, this is an interesting issue from a legal perspective because typically when it comes to a gift, like if I say to you, Jason, hey, I'm going to give you $100. And then I changed my mind. I go, nah, I'm not going to give you $100. Well, there, there was never a contract because there's no what we call consideration. In other words, you didn't give me anything back, right? It was just an offer of a gift. I changed my mind. That's it. But there are exceptions to the idea that there's no consideration with uh, the offer of a gift. For instance, if, if I rely on that to my detriment, in other words, if I do something like, oh, say, sign up for a golf tournament, pay you know the, the, the fees to go participate in a tournament because I'm hopeful of winning that truck in a you know by hitting a hole in one if i do something um that that either gives consideration to the to the person who made the offer or if i rely on that to my detriment from a legal perspective suddenly that becomes an enforceable contract and i'll guarantee you not to bore people with the legalese that's where this thing's going to boil down because they're going to go in and say oh no, no no i only signed up for this tournament paid my fees and whatnot because you offered me the chance uh of winning this truck therefore it's a contract you owe me the damn truck and and the golf uh, club itself offered the truck so the, the the dealership wants to renege tough go buy me another truck somewhere else you owe me this truck because we have an enforceable contract that's where this is going to go and they had signs up throughout the golf yeah. golf course you know if you hit a hole in one on the 10th you win the f-150 now the truck company has said we've had conversations about doing this but nothing was ever finalized so now they're catching all kinds of hell and the guy that hit the shot has lawyered up and yeah. he's like i want my truck i want my truck and you know what i, I give him the better odds of winning that dispute um today is national m&m's day the candy <laughs> m&m's guy are you a chocolate guy do you go with some candy can you go down with some m&m's uh, oh yeah i mean i don't buy it and I'm, you know, it's like that person who says, I don't smoke cigarettes. I just accept them from friends. Right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm that guy when it comes to candy. You're the scavenger. Oh, yeah. I don't ever buy candy ever. But I got to tell you, when I, years ago when I had a whole different career, I worked at a big law firm. And around Halloween or other holidays, I always gained weight because the secretaries all had big dishes of M&Ms or other candy sitting out, you know, at their workstations. And I'd be standing there talking to the secretary about something, not realizing I just ate four pounds of M&Ms right. while I was standing there talking to him. So, yeah, I love it and i enjoy it i don't ever go buy it but oh yeah if it's around i'm, I'm all over it i'm glad <clears throat> excuse me i'm glad that i met my weight loss threshold before halloween season oh around. yeah my contest with rob did you really by the way did you get all the way down got lost 50 plus pounds that's awesome thank you i didn't know you got all the way down that's fantastic got all the way down and uh Trying to keep it off now. That's uh, that's, that's the it. challenge. You know, I tried to be the Rosie Ruiz of that and just kind of cruise <laughs> in for like the last eight pounds, and I never got it done. I was just kind of j jumping in at the end. But congratulations, dude. 50 pounds, that's huge. Thank you. I appreciate that. Now I'm going to gain it all back in Halloween candy because um, – <laughs> 
it's on sale right now. As a matter of fact, Hammer and Nigel Records, we put out a single last year about all the parents like me that go out and buy Halloween candy a little too early and you end up eating it. Oh, yeah. It was almost Halloween. My candy bowl was getting lean. I thought that 20 bags would somehow last. <laughs> and I bought tiny Snickers bars, M&M's, and even Mars. And I transferred all of them straight to my ass. True story. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it by the door, thinking I'd eat just one more. There's nothing wrong with just a little taste. But that was 15 pounds ago. My gut looks like Bill's berry dough. And I'm standing here in wrappers to my waist. <laughs> and you should see my thunder thighs. They're made from payday's new fun size. <laughs> this triple chin of mine is just plain round. Come on. Now I'm back here at the store, teary-eyed and buying more. Cause it ain't even Halloween and my candy's gone. True story. That's too good. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. <laughs> Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIPC. Crime, punishment, judges, legal stuff. It's always fun when we have legal stuff with an actual attorney in studio. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Guy Relford, attorney at law, firearms instructor, filling in for Big Nige. The Indiana Supreme Court... Basically, they did what every Supreme Court in every state and even the big Supreme Court does, Guy. They kicked the can down the road. Uh, when it comes to the abortion ban in the state of Indiana and that injunction that took place from that judge, uh, I believe, down in Monroe County, the Indiana Supreme Court said that, uh, yeah, for right now, that injunction can stay, and then we're going to set up a hearing on this lawsuit, and uh, we're going to probably be getting into this around January 12th. Yeah, what's going on here, because a lot of people are confused by this because we said, hold on, we had the Supreme Court of the United States, right, the highest court in the land, come out and say there's no constitutional right to an abortion. So states can do what they want to do, which freed up Indiana and several other states to pass the laws they passed. So a lot of people are saying, what is there for the Indiana Supreme Court to even look at if the Supreme Court of the United States has ruled on this? Well, that's because the the SCOTUS, the Supreme Court of the United States, was looking at the U.S. Constitution and whether there's a right under the U.S. Constitution to have an, or to, to have an abortion that through a, a a, a kind of a made-up right to privacy, and the issue now is different. Now it is: Does the Indiana Constitution it provide is you rights now. protection uh, as to the right to have an abortion? And so it, it is a different issue. That's why the Supreme Court's ruling didn't uh, resolve this one. Another big uh, piece of legal stuff today was the jury reached their decision for Nicholas Cruz. Now, Nicholas Cruz is the piece of human excrement that shot the high school up down in Florida, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. The jury came back with the decision of life in prison without parole. Now, the death penalty is available in Florida, but per Florida law, it has to be unanimous from all the jurors. And from what it sounds like, there was one holdout, 
one holdout who did not believe in the death penalty. So therefore, Nicholas Cruz will not meet his maker, so to speak. He's going to be locked in jail for the rest of his life. And I want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, the way this works is uh, not only in Florida does it have to be unanimous, but the jury gets to consider uh, on the issue of whether or not to impose the death penalty, both what we call aggravating and mitigating circumstances, right? So aggravating circumstances are those things that make the crime that much worse. Obviously, killing multiple people uh, is a huge aggravating circumstance. you know, plotting and scheming or lying in wait, uh, long periods of, uh, uh, of, of, of planning a homicide. Um, there are a number of aggravating circumstances, but there are also mitigating circumstances, which makes the crime uh, somewhat less serious that they can consider a, when imposing a penalty. One of those is, what, was the defendant under duress? Did the defendant lack capacity? Other th- issues like that. And, and what this jury heard a whole bunch about during the penalty phase, because he... he Pled guilty to the crime, right? So the only question was what he's gonna, what, what is he gonna be sentenced to, death penalty or otherwise? And they got they they heard a lot from the defense team that his mother uh, abused alcohol and drugs, and he suffered from fetal alcohol syndrome, and it affected his neural, you know, his development generally, um, and that affected his conduct over the over years. And none of that was his fault. He was born that way because of of substance abuse by his mother. So, so the whole professional victim story, absolutely. So the jury got to hear a whole bunch about how he was really the victim of his mother's substance abuse, and that's what led him to commit this crime. They had experts come in and testify to that effect, and, and clearly at least one juror bought into that because you would think, and you know, when that many people, especially innocent high school kids and staff members, are murdered, that that's a clear case for the death penalty. At least one juror bought into this argument that, oh, it wasn't all his fault because he was a victim of his mother's substance abuse. This is Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis. I think that uh, if you have a death penalty at all, uh, that that is a case where you're massacring those students with premeditation uh, and utter disregard for basic humanity, that you deserve the death penalty. And so the jurors came back. Apparently, it was 11 to 1 with one holdout refusing to authorize uh, the ultimate punishment. And that means that uh, this killer is going to end up uh, getting a same sentence of people who've committed bad acts, but acts that did not rise to this level. I just don't think anything else is appropriate uh, except a capital sentence in this case. And so I was very disappointed to see that. I'm also disappointed that we're four and a half years after these killings, and we're just now getting this. You know, they used to do this. He would have been executed in six months. He's guilty. Everybody knew that from the beginning, and yet it takes years and years in this legal system that is not serving the interests of victims. Look, it's politically expedient to say this, and I get it, and I'm a Ron DeSantis fan, and I don't disagree with anything he said. However, as a trial attorney, i got to tell you, I'm a big fan of the jury system. And you can say you disagree with the jury's decision, but it's still the jury's decision. That's the system we have. And you know what? The lawyers went in there, and they made their arguments. I'm not making any argument for why this guy, and I don't even like to use their names, because like right. you said, they, they're, they're, they're out looking for notoriety. I don't want to give them any more. And, you know, and I wish somebody, like the hero of the Greenwood Park Mall, would have been there to put this guy down by putting one in his forehead. So, listen, none of this is compassion for this guy. At the same time, we have a system. We have a process. And we, we empower juries to make these kind of decisions. So I can say all day long that I disagree with a jury's decision, which I do here, but I still trust that system and I respect that system. And I think as governor... 
I think. I, w- I would have liked to have heard him say that as well. Guy Relford filling in for Big Nige today. So let's get into this story about the Tennessee football player. So Tennessee Volunteers, they've got a big game coming up this weekend against Alabama. I'm a Tennessee Vols guy, right? If you're watching on the YouTube stream, I got a Tennessee Vols hat on right now. This is a massive game. It's the first time these two teams have both been undefeated since 1989 at this point in the season. So one of their star defensive players, it's a kid by the name of Jalen McCullough. He is a safety. He's an NFL prospect. He's one of the captains of their defense. He was taken in for felony aggravated assault this past Sunday, guy. Here's the situation. So he's sitting on the couch with his girlfriend in their apartment. Some drunk dude bangs on the door. They don't answer. Drunk guy then barges in. And at that point, Tennessee football player has some choice words for him. Drunk guy who's a student, he says he's just got the wrong house. I'm sorry. He apologizes and he starts to walk out. Tennessee football player, still not buying it, has more choice words. Drunk guy responds with, don't be a blank. And at that point, Tennessee football player beats the hell out of him, knocks his teeth out, and he falls down the stairs. So the question now becomes, what do you do with this guy? Do you suspend him for the Alabama game? Was he defending uh, his girlfriend there because he didn't know what this person had in mind? What do we do with this? Well, you know, was it his home or the girlfriend's home? I believe it was his apartment and girlfriend was there. See, so you've got the Castle Doctrine here too, right? Which every state has some version of, which is you can defend your home against an unlawful entry. Some guys, you know, kicking your door in, that clearly is an unlawful entry. So there are a lot of different moving pieces here the problem i think arises legally from the fact that at one point the guy says okay i get it i'm in the wrong house and is trying to leave but smarts off and now football player chases him down you know if that's what happened and hurts him that's where he's got a bit of a problem does this change if it's her apartment yeah, well, definitely because oh well, uh, under Indiana law, I'm not a Tennessee lawyer, right? But under Indiana law, yeah, I can defend my home differently than I can defend somebody else's home. I, I have more ability to defend my home, even with deadly force, if it's my home. I don't have to rely on um, being uh, fearful of serious bodily injury, for instance. If I'm in my own home, if I'm in somebody else's home, that doesn't apply to me. So yeah, it does make a big difference. Now the football player saying, "I'm completely innocent here. I had no idea what this guy was." up to was he going to sexually assault my girlfriend did he know that i wasn't here what's going on and at one point drunk guy did get mouthy back and listen there are some dudes you just don't smart off to well yeah but i mean think about how much worse this could have been i mean i'll guarantee you some drunk dude kicks my door in in the middle of the night <laughs> oh, pray it, for drunk guy it's gonna get <laughs> it, it, it's gonna get real noisy real fast right and it's gonna get mostly peaceful around the <laughs> relford house <laughs> yeah oh yeah it's getting real noisy real fast uh last one here we're doing legal stuff Ed Sheeran, uh, Grammy award-winning singer, I believe, uh, got a ton of hits. Ed Sheeran, his lawsuit is going to trial. He's being sued by the family of Marvin Gaye because they say his hit Thinking Out Loud rips off Let's Get It On. The U.S. District Judge says that Ed Sheeran is going to have to stand trial over claims that Thinking Out Loud basically ripped off the music and the melody of Marvin Gaye's hit, Let's Get It On. 
So we're going to play a little bit for you. You tell me if you think these songs sound the same. Here's uh, Ed Sheeran's Thinking Out Loud compared to Let's Get It On from Marvin Gaye. And I this is Ed Sheeran. Be loving you till Let's get it on. Marvin Gaye. So that's a little bit. Now, let me mash these together. I was sitting in the back and I said, all right, let me mash these together and see if this makes any difference. Baby, man. Try to hold back this feeling for so long. Heart could still fall as hard at 23. And this youth. It's that bass line more yeah. than anything else. Yeah, when you lay one over the top of the other one like that, that that changes a little bit for me. I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm a poor judge on things like this because I have no musical ability whatsoever. I'm tone deaf. Uh, <laughs> and, and, but, uh, but, but, you know, it constantly amazes me that you have all these artists out there cranking out all these songs every single year, all these recordings. And, I mean, there are so many, only so many notes, right? There are only so many words. There are only so many lyrics. And right. it's, it's shocking to me they're able to come up with new songs and new lyrics. That, that don't rip anybody else off, and and this has been going on, you know, since mankind. So it, it shocks me that they're able to come up with original music. Uh, and and I don't know. I, I think um, if it was an intentional ripoff, was he inspired perhaps by Marvin Gaye? And, right. And and, and 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 is that a problem? Um, so I don't know. I'll be interested in seeing what a jury does with this. This is a tough one for me. Now, one of the things we like to do on this program is give you cover songs and mashups. It's kind of a fun little hobby we have. So if you're an Ed Sheeran fan. This is Ed Sheeran doing the cover of Britney Spears' Hit Me Baby One More Time. Oh, no. It's not bad. No. And, Guy, I think this one's more up your alley. <laughs> I've taken I Heard It Through the Grapevine from Marvin Gaye, and we've mashed it with Rat. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, here we go. Turn it up. <laughs> oh, round and round. That's so good. Let's do Halloween stuff. Pumpkins, candy, costumes, Halloween stuff. So, Guy, we went a little long doing some legal stuff in the previous segment, so we got about a minute left here, but you were telling me you get really into Halloween. Oh, man, I love the heck out of it. I dress up as scary as I possibly can, and I do two things. You dress up like Bette Midler? (laughs) Good night, everybody. No, I have this sort of skull mask, and I tie a bandana uh, on that, like a biker bandana, and I actually ride my Harley around the neighborhood, and I drive really slow past (laughs) packs of kids, and I don't say anything. I just stare at them. You're straight ghost rider scaring the kids. Oh, yeah, totally, yeah. 
and, and, and yeah, I'll post a picture. It's pretty spooky. And then I keep all this stuff on, and I go home, and we build a big fire in the fireplace. We drink massive quantities of wine, and every time the, the doorbell rings, I go up, and I, I look out the, the side window, make sure there's not little kids, right, little, right. little kids. But assuming, you know, that, that they're appropriate of age, I, I keep all this scary outfit, mask, and the whole deal. And, and, and with the boots I wear, they make me like 6'6", six, six, and I, <laughs> I throw open the door, and I sound like Mega Mondo. I go, what do you want? <laughs> and it's awesome. so much fun. I, 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 my, my wife laughs at me because I have more fun than the kids do. <laughs> Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it. My name is Jason Hammer. Big Nige is out, still recovering from monkey pox. Guy Relford <laughs> sitting in for Big Nige. Uh, TK Dub is here. All right, let me go around the room here. Raise your hand if you would like to hear AOC having her ass completely handed to her. Anybody? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah I, I, was a, I was a firm no until the second half of that sentence. And I'm like, okay, all right, now I'm good. You had me at AOC and ass. Yeah. Oh, come on, Mondo. <laughs> Um, so last night, uh, the representative from New York, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, Sandy Cortez, whatever you want to call her, she held a town hall uh, in her district, which is near the Bronx. And first of all, almost nobody showed up. If you watch the video of this, and there's tons of it out there on social media, it's a sparse gathering. It looks like a uh, fourth quarter crowd at like a uh, Jacksonville Jags game uh, late in the season. One where they're not playing the Colts and they're winning. Yeah, yeah, they're, right, yeah. <laughs> anybody else and they're actually losing. Uh, but number two, of those few and proud that showed up, some of them were just busting her up over funding all of this aid to Ukraine and possibly prolonging a war. Now, some would say that these people were plants. They were put there. They're Trump supporters. They're Republicans, whatever. Guy, maybe I'm judgmental here. I looked at the video. The people that were standing up that were yelling at AOC don't come across as MAGA supporters. <laughs> well, yeah, and if she's as popular as she likes to believe she is, where were all her supporters shouting these people down, right? Right, right. I mean, it really looked like a small classroom, and there were tons of seating available. So here's the situation. We're going to play you some clips of what happened at her speech. She's up there. She's talking about nonsense, probably the Green New Deal. And then one student, or not even a student, a person stands up and starts yelling at her about the money that she is giving to basically fund this war between Russia and Ukraine. Congresswoman, none of this matters unless there's a nuclear war, which you voted to send arms and weapons to Ukraine. Tulsi Gabbard, she's left the Democratic Party because there are funding war hawks, okay? You originally voted, you ran as an outsider, yet you've been voting to start this war in Ukraine. You're voting to start a third nuclear war with Russia and China. Why are you playing with the lives of American citizens? You're playing with our so that's the first individual, first being the key word there. After that situation diffuses a little bit, there was another dude. There was another dude that stood up to defend the honor of the first guy that was basically told to sit down. There 
will be no neighbors if there's a nuclear bomb. You voted to mobilize and send money to Ukrainian Nazis. You're a coward. You're a progressive socialist. Where are you against the war mobilization? You have done nothing. Tulsi Gabbard has shown guts where you've shown cowardice. I believed in you, and you became the very thing you sought to fight against. That's what you've become. You are the establishment, and you are the reason why everybody will end up in a nuclear war unless you choose to stand up right now and denounce the Democratic Party. Will you do that? Yes or no? Guy, life comes at you fast. One minute, you're on the cover of Time Magazine. You're the socialist sweetheart. You're going to change the game in Washington. The next minute, in your own district, they're calling you a part of the swamp. And you know what was the most noticeable thing to me, because I had not heard that audio before, Jason, is that there were claps from the audience there. This is not a lone heckler. Did you see her? That, that last guy got some support from other people there in attendance who started clapping at what he was saying. That's interesting to me, because that's not that's not a lone heckler when they get that kind of support right and so he kind of lets aoc respond to him a little bit i got one more clip here you're gonna hear aoc trying to blow him off you know do the usual politician thing okay thank you whatever and then she calls him rude and my man to his credit wasn't having it Okay, simple. Are you going to stop nuclear war? Yes or no? There is no line because this is You need to wait in line. This matters if we're all dead. None of it. You know that. Then let's take it up right now cuz this is the only thing that matters. This is the only thing that matters right now. We could be in a nuclear war at any minute and you continue to fund it. That's what's going on. Why not right now? You're the liar here. Nobody has held you accountable. That's what's happening. And it is time for you to stand up and realize that what you've been saying has been lies. Let your conscience come through for once. And she tried every trick in the book. You know, we'll get to that. You need to wait in your line, wait in line and ask later. You know, we'll talk about that later. And he had a response for everything. No, let's talk about it now. I'm one of like 20 people in this room. Let's talk about it. Yeah, but you know what's shocking to me here, Jason, is that you're telling me that AOC did not dominate in a battle of wits? <laughs> I, I, I mean, what, what, is that really what you're trying to tell me here? She wasn't able, with, with, with sheer logic and force of argument and, you know, sheer intellect, she wasn't able to dominate that? That conversation, I, I am so shocked. 20 liberals in a room in the Bronx, and AOC wasn't even in the top half of the <laughs> smartest people in that room. Uh, inflation numbers came out earlier today, and again, bad news for the Biden administration. Who didn't see this coming? Uh, it's up again. Inflation up 8.2 year over year, and up just from last month, 0.4. Consumer price increases have been at or above 5% for 17 straight months. Core inflation, stripping out food and energy, increased at the highest rate since 1982. And Guy, I think these are some important numbers to compare and contrast here. When Joe Biden took office, the day he put his hand on that Bible and he took the oath, inflation in this country was at 1.4%. The average price of gas was 239 
As of today, inflation is 8.2% and gas is 391. Yeah, and he owns all that. And it's Democrat spending policies. And, and look, there are some Republicans that are have been complicit in this too. Sure. But it's been it's been dominated by Democrats since Biden's been in office and those spending policies are directly inflationary. There's no way anybody can dispute that. He owns this and I'm just hoping the American voter uh, holds the Democrats accountable in the midterms and again in 2024. Real average hourly earnings fell 3% since last year while inflation went Went up 8.2%, making this the 18th month in a row ever since Joe Biden passed that $1.9 trillion stimulus in which inflation has outpaced wages. So basically, fancy talk aside, we've all been getting a pay cut for 18 straight months ever since that stimulus went through. But again, just like I'm shocked that AOC wasn't the intellectual giant in the room, I'm also shocked here that um, the Inflation Reduction Act which has been passed and, and hailed as a cure for inflation in America. Didn't we just pass an Inflation Reduction Act? Why are these numbers going in the wrong direction, Jason? I'm, I'm horribly confused. <laughs> as a matter of fact, the old everlasting job stopper himself <laughs> talked about this just two days ago. We, we, we passed so much legislation that significantly makes a, makes a point about, you know, for example, the American Rescue Plan, the the legislation to deal with inflation, um, the the Inflation Act. We okay, fine, we get it. You don't know what you're talking wow. about. So if you're looking for somebody that's supposed to understand this stuff, not the president of the United States, but somebody that actually understands this, how about your Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen? Um, we still see the impact of uh, COVID in China and the slowdown in Chinese growth. And um, with high inflation and tightening monetary policy in many advanced countries, um, emerging markets from really all of these factors are suffering um, many stresses. So there's a lot to talk about. But from the perspective of the United States, I think the United States is doing very well. Oh, did you hear that guy? We're doing very well. Hell, let's crack the champagne out. Somebody crank up some Cool in the Gang celebration. Let me go buy a new house and a new car. Hell, I can finally afford that Tesla now. We're doing just fine. I go right back to the Wizard of Oz, man. Ignore that man behind the curtain. There's <laughs> nothing to see here. Emma and Nigel presents. Is it depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything guy relford in for big nige this is how we're going to play is this anything i'll run some stories by the gun guy he's gonna weigh out all the information and he'll be the one that tells us if this story is anything or not we start with this an australian radio host fainted like passed out live on the air during a segment where she was facing her fear of spiders by having one crawl on her <laughs> while she was live on the air. Here's the moment that uh, she passed out from the spider. What are you both scared of? Uh, we're about to have spiders put on us. Yes. Um, <laughs> how do you feel, Linda? Adrenaline's pumping. That's great. Now, Erin. <laughs> 
if you don't feel comfortable, we don't have to. That's not a problem you at all. You want to stop? No, no. Okay. You sure? Yeah. Okay. Right. The important thing right. is that you feel safe and that you feel comfortable. Oh, no. Oh, 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 hang on. All right, hang on. We need to go to a break. Go to a break. Yeah, we need to go to a break. Yeah, we'll come back. That anything? <laughs> yeah, that's something for a couple of reasons. First of all, I'm, I'm kind of a spider fan. I actually had a pet spider in college. I had a pet tarantula. Really? Yeah, his name was Felix. Absolutely. And and had a surprising amount of success with the, with the line at Keggers, you want to come upstairs and see my spider? Oh, nice. <laughs> but, I've also got a pet, too. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's a significant one. I mean, when a, <laughs> when a host passes out live on the air, yeah, that's something. But it's, it's significant, too. This is in Australia. Because i got to tell you, I lived in Australia for three months, and they have so many critters in that country that can kill you. It's amazing. You're like the Dos Equis guy. Like, everything in this story you can relate to. <laughs> I've had a spider. I lived in Australia. Like, if you would have told me in this story that there was a killer clown, well, I was once a killer clown before. Like, you have done it all, my friend. No, I, I lived in Melbourne just for three months. and uh, But but Australia is, you know, yeah, and I, somebody will correct these numbers, but I once read a statistic, something like there are, you know, 35 venomous snakes that can kill you in the world and like 28 of them live in australia i mean that's that's the country there's a whole bunch of stuff that can kill you there so the fact that she's a host in australia and has a fear of spiders that i get completely but yeah when a, when a host passes out live uh, on the air that, that that's a big deal I, and you know and i and I, I hope she recovered mondo you know what this reminds me of what's that the scene in home alone <laughs> when uh, Daniel Stern's laying there and the tarantula crawls across his face. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, man. Yeah. I probably would have had the same reaction, though. So what makes for a better radio broadcast? A chick that passes out on the air or Nigel throws up multiple times? Because we've been able to pull that off multiple times. Always Nigel throwing up on the air. Right, because I don't know if they had a webcam. The last time, Kyle, you had a dedicated camera on Nigel yeah. as we made him throw up. I put the solo cam right on Nigel as he's puking. What's, what's funny is you guys can do it on command. I mean, you, you know, if you want to make Nigel throw up live on the air, you can do it. You've, you've proven that now multiple times. Is this anything? a toddler living in Chicago got to go home for the very first time in his life after spending almost three years in a hospital. Uh, Francesco Bruno had a rare genetic disorder and needed tons of surgeries and intense therapies. Finally got to go home for the very first time ever. Here's his occupational therapist talking about how bittersweet it is to see this kid leave that they've been working on for three years. He's two years and 10 months and he's been in a hospital since he's been born. I think as a team, you know, we've poured so much love and um, effort into Francesco and his development and this is the goal for all of our kids, but it's always bittersweet to have them leave and move on to their next adventure. That anything? Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm the stepfather of a profoundly disabled uh, stepdaughter, and uh, and to see victories like this uh, when a kid is born with, a, you know, those kinds of, of challenges and disabilities, yeah, that's huge. That gets me right in the feels. So here's what we're going to do right now. We're going to open up the phone lines. We're going to do a round of Ask the Gun Guy. 239-9393. We have the best 2A attorney in America with us, a man that has passed legislation, a man that's written bills, done it all. He's literally the Dos Equis guy. He's the most interesting <laughs> man in the world. If you've got a question about your firearm or what you can or can't do in certain situations, now is the time to ask. We're going to milk Guy Relford for everything he's worth now here. You're going to pass out free legal advice here. 
here, my friend. Betcha. Ask the gun guy, 239-9393. This is the Hammer and Nigel Show. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, 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 bang. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Oh, my golly, that's the gun guy's music. (laughs) Business is about to pick up here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Guy Relford, 2A attorney, firearms instructor, filling in for Big Nige today. And when you fill in, Guy, we like to have a segment called Ask the Gun Guy. Yeah, I love it. This is a popular segment you do on your Amazing Weekend program. Yeah, well, I mean, my, my show's a call-in show for the whole two hours, right? I'll have different topics I'll get into, but we take calls pretty much throughout the show. And that's really how I got started. That's how I got asked to be uh, a host here, as I was just a guest on other people's shows where we had call-in segments uh, we call Ask the Gun Lawyer or Ask the Gun Guy. So I, I love doing it. It's always a lot of fun. So let's get it cranking here. Daniel. You are up first. Welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. We got Guy Relford here. Hey, guys. Well, thank you for having me. I love the show, by the way. I also love, you know, the guy, Gun Guy Show on Monday segments. Thanks, and man. definitely loyal listener on Saturdays. Um, so here's my question. You're a firearms instructor, I, I understand. Uh-huh. Is there a place um, or does your school teach tactical applications for citizens carrying firearms to properly defend themselves like the guy that did in Greenwood. Yeah, I mean, that, that's available a lot of different places. Typically, when you go to a, a training facility, they're going to start you um, in something like, you know, basic handgun, and then you get up and get into defensive pistol. And then, for instance, I, I'm certified to teach a class called Personal Protection Outside the Home, which is kind of the, the top end of what I teach. And that's exactly like what we're talking about. It's about drawing a gun from concealment, uh, engaging targets at different distances, shooting from cover, which is relevant to the Greenwood shooting, um, shooting while you're moving which is also relevant. So, yeah, there, there are those classes. Go out and look for um, someone teaching the personal protection outside the home. That's an NRA-certified course, and uh, that's exactly what you're talking about. So if he's trying to find somebody to teach him that, what are some steps that he does? Does he just go into Google and type in who teaches yeah, this? Well, or? well, I'll tell you what. I, mean, like, I teach my classes at Indie Arms. And uh, Indy Arms has all different levels. Now, often they have prerequisites. So, in, in other words, if you haven't taken any handgun training at all, you don't go right into the top-end course. You, you know, they build you up. But, yeah, go to Indy Arms, their website, or just Google NRA, personal protection outside the home. And then, you know, he may have the requisite training already uh, or be able to test out of it, which there's a procedure for. But, but that class is exactly what he's talking about. Let's go to Troy. Troy, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show guy relfords here thank you uh, i have a quick question i keep uh, hearing from different people that indiana has relaxed their law on felons possessing firearms <laughs> now it's just uh uh, registered violent felons? No. True? Well, no, let me tell you exactly how that works. There's a lot of confusion on the internet about this. Indiana for decades, generations, has precluded what, what Indiana calls serious violent felons from possessing guns. But since 1968, uh, federal law through the Gun Control Act of 1968 has, has prevented any felon at any level from possessing a firearm. So when you intersect 
Indiana law and federal law, no, felons cannot possess a gun um, in Indiana since we have to comply with federal law as well. Indiana hasn't changed anything on that. Indiana itself under state law hasn't precluded all felons from possessing guns uh, in my lifetime, but they've precluded serious violent felons, but we still have to comply with federal law, and if you have any felony conviction, which is defined as a crime for which you could have been sentenced, not what you were sentenced to, but what you could have been sentenced to of over a year, then you can't possess a firearm. That's been the way that way for a long, long time. It's still that way, and nothing has changed. Bruce, you are up next. Bruce, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. Hey, fellas, how's it going? Good, going go, go. going good. Good. Hey, hey, guy, got a question for you. Uh, my son got pulled over in a small little homecroft town, and uh, uh, cop said he was speeding. Uh, showed him his uh, license and gun permit. Cop asked him where the gun was, pulled him out of the car, and then took the gun and put it in the back seat. Uh, I did not know if that was something for, you know, cop safety or if this was something that was allowed to be done or not. Yeah, no, that actually, without some indication that your son was either engaged in criminal activity, and I mean something other than the speeding, the infraction, actual criminal activity, or some affirmative you know, evidence that would support a belief that your son was a danger to the officer, it's actually unconstitutional under the Fourth Amendment for an officer to search your vehicle or seize your property, including a firearm. And, and look up a case called Melvin Washington versus State. I believe it was 2011. And Melvin Washington v. State makes this very clear. The guy had a gun license. He told the officer he had a, a gun in the car and had a handgun license. The officer said, well, I need to seize that vehicle for my, or excuse me, seize that firearm uh, for my safety during the stop and, and actually found drugs while he was searching for the gun. And the, the Indiana Court of Appeals found that was unconstitutional as a violation of the Fourth Amendment since there the, it was an unreasonable search and seizure. So Indiana law has been clear on that. Now, the question then becomes, what do you do about it? For instance, are we going to go file a lawsuit, um, you know, based on the inconvenience? What would a jury give your son, for instance, for, you know, being annoyed or inconvenienced as far as how that officer maintained that stop? And that may be why some police officers still do it. They may know it's not constitutional, but who's going to run off and actually file a lawsuit over that? That becomes a separate question. But, yeah, check out Melvin Washington v. State because that very clearly answers that question. We're doing a round of Ask the Gun Guy. Guy Relfer, 2A attorney, firearms instructor in studio. Arnold, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. What you got, Arnold? Thank you. Thank you, Guy, for all the factual information you put out. Sure. I have carried for a large number of years, and in those years twice have been stopped where the gun has been at least temporarily taken, and I'm sure they're running a stolen check on it. Yeah. Two of the guns that I have carried are actually well-stamped property U.S. government, hmm. notably from World War II. Uh, one of them is actually a historical piece. But my awesome. question is, how do you prove ownership or correct ownership of something like that? Well, typically, unless your gun's like taken and impounded, you don't have to prove ownership. In other words, you can. With it, before we we adopted constitutional carry under our license to carry, you could you could carry any gun that you lawfully possessed without having to prove ownership. You don't have to prove ownership um, if somebody pulls you over today, a police officer pulls you over and finds a gun in the car. They can run a serial number, and if if it comes back stolen, that's a problem. But if it doesn't come back stolen, um, there's no need to prove ownership. 
ownership to maintain possession of that firearm because we don't have gun registration in Indiana. I mean, it's a good idea to keep receipts when you buy guns. I've had people here recently tell me that Marion County, for instance, if if a gun is impounded and, and, and it's been released and you can go pick it up, they're making you prove that's your gun in order in order to release it out of the Marion County property room. But that's a separate issue. Um, if, if your gun's not impounded, there's no really no legal need to prove ownership because we don't have registration. So that gun's not registered to you, nor should it be. And I would fight against any plan to have gun registration here in Indiana, tooth and nail. Mark, you are up next. Mark, we got the gun guy here. Go ahead. Quick question. So what I've wondered, and maybe this has happened and it's gotten bounced for the court and I've missed it, but you get all these safe zones. And so somebody comes waltzing in knowing that they aren't going to get any resistance. Has anybody that's been shot that is a licensed carry individual or people that are just in there that were in the middle of it that were licensed to carry sued the facility or the establishment that they didn't properly protect them uh, when they could have protected themselves in a moment versus waiting for the cops to get there in, in five minutes. Yeah, you know, when when a when a business owner precludes firearms, there there, there have been uh, bills introduced before in other states um, that say if they preclude firearms in a particular business and you get hurt because you didn't have the capacity to defend yourself, the business should be 100% liable, what we call strictly liable. Um, we haven't passed anything like that in Indiana. It's something we've looked at. Um, but, but the theory has to be that the property owner knew of a known risk and they subjected their invitee we, we call them, to a known uh, existing risk. And that's a hard thing to prove when, you know, active shooters tend to be very random and unpredictable. It's hard to prove they knew of a risk and, and failed to defend their, their, their customers or their invitees against that known risk. And that's why there's been legislation introduced to, to make them strictly liable. We haven't passed anything like that in Indiana yet. All right, Paul, Joe, and Ron, stay on the line. We've got to take a quick timeout here. We're going to get you guys next. Don't go anywhere. We'll finish up Ask the Gun Guy when we come back. This is the Hammer and Nigel Show. Mind if I do this here real quick? We had a friend bring by some beverages in the studio, and this is my long day here at work because I got the sports betting show tonight. Oh, that's right. Uh, so after Hammer and Nigel show ends at 7, I run up to the fan and host You Bet with Bet Rivers from 7 to 8, talking all things sports betting. So it's my long day. I can have a couple beers at work. I don't see anything wrong with that. Um, let's keep it rolling here. Let's just go to the phones. Paul was waiting patiently. Paul, we got Guy Relford here. Go ahead and ask the gun guy. Hey, Guy, just a real quick question. Sure. I came in to tell in about the felony question, but I got a felony 24 years ago, was a Class C burglary and a receiving stolen property. I had those expunged four months ago. Now, when that clears up through the courts, will I be able to bear arms again? Yeah, I mean, the uh, – the, uh the restoration of rights that is part of the expungement process has been recognized now by the feds as restoring your ability to uh, possess firearms. So, yeah, I mean, it's important that your lawyer uh, send the expungement orders uh, to the Indiana State Police. They update they update the national criminal histories, um, and and sometimes the feds get confused by that um, in terms of finding the expungement when they when they when they do a background check, for instance, when you're buying a gun. But the short answer is yes. And expungement in Indiana does restore your uh, right to possess a firearm uh, when you've had a felony expunged. 
Uh, guy got a tweet from Jerry, okay? And it's kind of a loaded one here, but I'll throw it to you. I know there's no gun registration in Indiana, but what would be so bad about it if we did have to register firearms? I'm not a big gun person. I'm just curious. Well, I mean, when we've had registration, for instance, um, some states have 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 put a registration requirement in place and then right on the heels of that then passed a so-called assault weapon ban and guess what they know right where to go to go seize firearms it doesn't stop it It doesn't stop when you give the government or any sort of agency just a little bit i.e wait two weeks to flatten the curve look what happens after that that's right and by the way you know the leading example of who doesn't trust the government with a list of gun owners or gun registration Congress, because as part of the so-called uh, Firearm Owners Protection Act in 1986, Congress actually for, forbade, um, uh, prevented, prohibited the federal government from keeping any kind of a database of guns or gun owners. So Congress doesn't trust the government with a list of guns or gun owners. I certainly don't either. Joe, you are up next. Welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show, and Guy Relford's here. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Yeah, I was, I was wondering... Um, been a long-time gun owner. I've never had any problems by purchasing firearms. Moved here from Wyoming in 2019, and for some reason I get flagged um, that I need to do more information on fingerprints to the federal government. I get my background checked every few years because of my job. Is that gonna? Is that the reason why they're asking for more? Do you think or? Why would they be asking for any more information when you know, I've never had any problems? Typically, it's it's because your name is very close to somebody who's a prohibited possessor. Um, your social security number may also be like a digit or two off, and that confuses them. So they'll delay you and sometimes ask for more information. But the way to fix this is to apply for what's called a UPIN. It's called a unique personal identification number. And, and you could just Google that. And you do that through an application for, I'll give you another acronym, called a VAF, Voluntary Appeal File. What you're doing is you're actually, and this is relevant to the, the question that I was just talking about with Jason, you're giving the government permission to keep a little electronic file on you that says they've checked you out and you're okay to buy a gun. They keep that file at NICS, the National Instant Criminal Background Check System run by the FBI out of Wheeling, West Virginia. They keep that file on you and it's linked to this UPIN, this unique personal identification number. I have a UPIN. And and there's a place when you go in to buy a gun at the gun store, right under name and address and whatnot, it says social security number, optional, military ID, optional. Then it says UPIN, optional. If you have a UPIN, you put it right in there on that form. They then see that at NICS when they do the background check and they go, oh, I've checked this dude out. He's okay. And you sail right through. So if this is happening happening to you recurrently, apply for your VAF, your voluntary appeal file. They issue you a UPIN and then you're good to go going forward. So I even my clients who I do expungements for, since the NICS tends to screw up and not see the expungement or not understand that it restores rights, um, I tell them, get a UPIN so you don't have to worry about it going forward. Ron, we got time. Time for one more, my man. Rock and roll. What you got, Ron? Thanks, guys, uh, for taking my call. Nice job on your shows. I love them. My question is about 80% uh, firearms uh, are firearms built with 80% components. Um, I personally have several. Uh, Is it illegal for me now to possess those firearms 
No. The, the, the new regulations passed by ATF that just went into effect here a couple of weeks ago, um, they, they, they have serialization requirements and, and FFL licensing requirements for people selling those kits, but they didn't change the law with respect to you possessing them. Um, if you ever um, uh, would, would transfer them to an FFL, they have to serialize them. But, 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 but as you know, making it for your personal use only is what's legal, so you want to hang on to them. Don't try to transfer them, but it's legal for you to own them. Thank you so much for your calls. Guy Relford, way to rock that. Knock it out of the park. Always fun. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Guy Relford, the gun guy, filling in for Big Nige. Our good friends... The party boys of the January 6th committee, <laughs> they got back together today to play a heated game of grab ass. And the big takeaway from today, guy, was they had a unanimous decision. They're going to send a subpoena to Donald Trump. They want the former president to speak in front of the council of the January 6th committee. Yeah, how are you suppose that's going to go? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like in my mind, and again, I think things differently i get that this is an amazing opportunity for donald trump to just humiliate all of these people and to put on a show because that's what this is it's a show when they did not allow representative banks when they did not allow representative jordan to be part of this committee then it became a joke it, it did and, and i have a question and i should know the answer to this but isn't this the first uh, hearing they will have held of that committee since Liz Cheney got her ass handed to her in in the primary. I believe it is, and so and so that to me adds an interesting dynamic because here she is, you know, she being very vocal, even a leader on that committee, and and I think all anybody's going to see when they see her now on the television set every time that it focuses on in focuses in on her whether she because she's speaking or otherwise, I, everybody's just going to look at that and go oh yeah that's the person whose participation in this committee played a very large part in her getting her butt kicked in the Republican primary. And listen, if you go into any restaurant in this country, any barber shop, any place of business and say, what's a bigger story today? The awful inflation numbers, oh, yeah. the fact that wages continue to go down, or what's happening with the January 6th committee, what do you think they're going to say? Well, no, that's, that's so true. And it's so obvious that it's just a huge distraction uh, effort. And, you know, and, 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 and I don't think anybody's falling for it. I don't think anybody who is undecided on how they're going to vote in the midterms or even for president in 2024, is being swayed one way or the other by this committee. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that because it really feels like lately, maybe it's just me, but it feels like it's a gut feeling. The country as a whole is kind of on to the media, right? Because we know what's going to happen. CNN, MSNBC, CBS Tonight, Donald Trump was going to be subpoenaed by the January 6th committee. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Let us know when our wages are going up. Let us know when inflation's going down. Let us know when the border is fixed. Uh, even if you want to talk about abortion, hell, all of those things move the needle more than the January 6th committee. Because, again, most people that live in a major city have had worse things happen during the summer of love of 2020 than what happened at the Capitol that day. When you look at the amount of people that stormed into the Capitol, the only person that was killed 
was one of the protesters, Ashley Babbitt. So when you think Un- of it, unarmed, th- by the way, unarmed. So if you think of it this way, Alec Baldwin killed more people than those who stormed into the Capitol that day. Well, that's a good way of putting it. And and, and I got to tell you, again, even on. Un- among undecided voters, if you walk up to somebody and say, what matters more, the fact that, that yes, a small group of people rushed the Capitol, which they should ha- not have done, and I have condemned it since I'm day one. I'm with you. I mean, I, it was a bad move. It was idiotic, and it was largely illegal. And you should be punished. And you should be punished. So I'm not making excuses. But if you you ask the typical undecided voter, what matters to you more? What's more important to America today, the fact that a small group of people did this, right, as legal as it was or the fact that inflation's at 8.2 percent and your cost for a a gallon of milk is up 30 percent what do you think they're going to say and cities all over america chris Beatty was murdered in indianapolis by trying to help someone officer dorn in st louis was murdered trying to help people that happened in every major city during the blm riots and these people didn't say a damn thing hell kamala harris put together funds to help bail some of these people out absolutely but something happens in their backyard well we have to stop everything we're doing spend all this taxpayer money and put on this show nobody cares nobody cares nobody cares uh Joe Biden, president of the United States, he was speaking today. And anytime Joe Biden speaks, it can be interesting. This is your president who clearly has all of his faculties and there's absolutely positively nothing wrong with his mental abilities speaking on national parks. To stand there on the edge of a cliff in the Rio Grande to, you know, look at that one thing and it's just, there's not many cliffs, but then head up to the uh, the Grand Canyon. It's a cathedral. It, I mean, it takes your breath away. I've climbed it from the river up and I've looked at it from the from the top down. So I've got the official transcript that the White House provides, Guy. Let me read this for you. Again, this is Joe Biden speaking about national parks. Quote, to stand there, on the edge of a cliff in the Rio Grande to, uh, you know, looking at one thing, and it's just, there's not many cliffs, but then head up to the uh, the uh, Grand Canyon, it's a cathedral. I mean, it takes your breath away. I've climbed it from the river up, and I've looked at it from the top down. Now, we're going to play this clip again, and Kyle... Can you do your awesome Joe Biden impression and read along with Joe Biden? You're standing there on the edge of a cliff in the Rio Grande to, uh, you know, look at one thing. It's just there's so many cliffs. They're out to the Great Canyon. It's a cathedral. I mean, it takes your breath away. I climbed it from the rear up, and I looked at it from the... The top, from the, the top, top down. <laughs> Thank you very much, well, TK Dub. Hurts you know, my you know brain every time. A, you know what makes this a non-credible even statement? As 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 disjointed and and incomprehensible, uh, incomprehensible as it is. You know, but, but we've established that Joe Biden's never actually been to the border. So for him to say he's looked down from a cliff at the Rio Grande, right. I think we've established that that's probably uh, an incorrect statement. That's that's probably like a lot of his other made-up stories. My favorite part are, you know, looking at that one thing, and then when he tells us that he's climbed up the Grand Canyon from the bottom up. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. he's Clark Griswold yeah. hanging on Hoover <laughs> Dam. <laughs> is, that, is that Joe Biden? Is that is that Biden? Uh, Mondo, I think we need some mood music. 
Would this be the fight song of your and my Ball State Cardinals? Chirp, chirp, baby. Sometimes endorsement deals happen and you're like, well, that's kind of weird. I guess anything for money. But every once in a while, guy, there's a partnership (laughs) that's so perfect, you wonder why it hasn't happened before. Ball State has announced that the company Manscaped has signed a deal with Ball State, and they will become the, quote, preferred grooming partner of Ball State Athletics. So I'm sorry, what school is this again? Ball State. <laughs> Partnering with Manscaped, the people that make the little razors so you can clean your nether regions. Okay. All right. So okay. moving forward, whenever the Cardinals take the field, take the court, there's going to be Manscaped signage <laughs> all over the university. Uh, the official Manscaped Twitter account put this out, quote, some things just go together. Introducing our newest grooming partners, the Ball State Cardinals. <laughs> and in one of the greatest press releases of all time, quote, constantly on the hunt for partnerships that align with the identity of the brand and with an unmatched expertise in balls and ball sport teams, Manscaped and Ball State University. This was a union that was only a matter of time. The Cardinals fly high and now they'll they will experience smoother landings <laughs> with Manscaped by their side. That's too beautiful. And just remember, I'd rather ball you than I you. <laughs> You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Uh, Big Nige is out. Guy Relford is in. And uh, my friend Tim. Tim is in studio here with an amazing story. So one of the things that we take very seriously on this program is helping out the community. You know, we tell a lot of uh, funny stories. Sometimes we tell some toilet humor. You know, we have some hot takes. But deep down inside, helping the community is a big responsibility, and we do not take that lightly. And, Tim, you've got an amazing story about a young lady in Mooresville. Um, that that's correct. Yep. Um, so first of all, it's uh, October is Rhett Syndrome Awareness Month, um, and in Mooresville, um, a, a dear friend of of our family, um, the sister of of one of the uh, players on my travel softball team, uh, has been recently been diagnosed with Rhett Syndrome. Um, R E T T Rhett Syndrome. That's correct. Now, if I'm reading this correctly, it's the textbook definition is a progressive neurodevelopmental disorder of the brain that primarily affects females. That's correct. Okay. That's correct. So this young lady um, from what side of town again? Mooresville. Mooresville. Mooresville uh, has been diagnosed with Rett syndrome. And I got to be honest, this conversation we're having and the information you provided me, this is the first time I've heard of Rett syndrome. Yeah, it's it's very rare. Um, only about one in ten to fifteen thousand children are actually diagnosed with it. One of the reasons for that is because it does take genetic testing to actually discover it, which is not highly recommended by a lot of doctors. It's not really covered by insurance. So a lot of other um, types of learning d- uh, disabilities and things like that that are that are diagnosed are actually a result of Rett syndrome. Um, so people don't learn about it until they're in the the later phases, which is uh, Cheyenne's wow. situation. 
You know, again, I'm not an insurance agent. Don't get it twisted here at all. But it's shocking and it's disappointing that, you know, when parents are concerned that this might be a thing, that it's not covered by insurance. It, it really is. And, and a lot of it comes uh, in, in the form of, of misdiagnosis. So, uh, for example, they might say you're mentally handicapped or you have a learning disability or you might have some... Uh, psychosis issues, um, but it turns out that's due to the degeneration of the brain, uh, which is which is caused by Rett syndrome. So, to put this kind of into layman's terms, what are some symptoms of Rett syndrome? Um, yeah. So, uh, again, early on in life, and, and again, this in her situation has been going on for 16 years. Uh, it does look like just uh, being mentally handicapped, perhaps a little slow in development, or some of the things that they've been told. Uh, she's had some problems with the GI issues. Um, as it evolves, you start to lose motor function, and the uh, first one and most noticeable is the loss of the use of the hands, uh, which is certainly uh, what has happened. It will then sort of progress into uh, psychosis and, and look a lot like um, uh, just issues uh, with uh, hearing voices um, and just some different things oh, that wow. happens that, that look like other common disorders. They often try to treat that with medication only to find that it doesn't, doesn't work out very well. Um, and then eventually, uh, with everything going downhill, they'll end up uh, wheelchair-bound, um, and uh, ultimately it will take their life, usually uh, around the age of 20, early 20s, um, most of the times in, in the late teens. So this is a fatal diagnosis. Uh, this is correct. At this time, there is no cure or treatment to do anything other than uh, to just add to uh, the quality of life that, that she has. Wow, this is amazing. And I, I feel guilty because I've never heard of this before. Like, you know, I try to stay on top of everything as much as I can. And, uh, you know, I've had some family members that have gone through health situations. I've had uh, a family member lose a young child due to health situations. And I'm almost embarrassed that I've never heard of this before. Um, I, I couldn't agree more. I'm certainly by no means an expert. Um, ever since we heard about it, we've been doing our best to learn about it, read about it, learn the things from the family. Uh, the family will be going to a treatment center in St. Louis that is a clinic that is uh, that designates their time to treating Rett syndrome. Um, even though there is no cure uh, for it, it is something that they can just help enhance the quality of life for people who have the syndrome. Right. And for any parent, all you can do is one, hope for miracles, and two, try to prolong life as long as you can. Every extra day you have with that somebody you love, you know, that's a miracle. Absolutely. So a, a direct message from the family that they wanted to make sure that I got out there is that if you know something's wrong with your child, whether it's a learning disability or a mental handicap, um, whatever the case may be, uh, get genetic testing. Uh, it is expensive. It, in this case, uh, it's over $3,000 for them to get it. But they, they went 16 years with no diagnosis for their child. Uh, only wow. to find out that we have a diagnosis now and, and it's it's not very good. And listen, that is expensive, but when it comes to your family and your kids, man, people seem to find a way. It doesn't matter where you're at in life. If you are somebody that lives up at Geist on a fancy, you know, multi-million dollar piece of land by the water, or maybe you live somewhere on a trailer park somewhere, when it comes to your kids, man, people always seem to find a way. Yeah, and, and I know you can relate. You coach uh, travel baseball, and, and I coach travel softball, and so we've been reaching out to our community through our Indiana Prospects uh, pages, and, and we're, we're selling some shirts to raise some money. We've got a GoFundMe going, uh, so we're, we're 
trying to do the best we can to reach as many people who who are willing to help. Um, and and you know this, this family certainly needs it. Yeah. In addition to the monetary donations that this family could certainly use, just the awareness Absolutely. of this whole situation. I think uh, coming on shows like this, letting people know you know what's going on, what this disease is, because if you can help just one person that's listening to this show right now, man, that's that's a good good thing. I have I have little doubt that that there's somebody out there listening that is in a situation like this and and they just don't know where to turn uh, such as Michelle uh, Cheyenne's mother uh, had to deal with for for some 16 years how is the family doing well, you know, I'll be honest. There, it, it's it's tough. It, it was a you know, it was a big hit they took when when they learned what the ultimate outcome of this will be. Um, uh, Cheyenne's mother, Michelle, and, and her two sisters are wonderful people. Um, they they really have their head down to you know the business of 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 getting farther along in the process. There's a lot of paperwork that has to be done with the uh, clinic in St. Louis, and so she's working through a lot of red tape and in, in working with her insurance right now. Um, so it's it's difficult for them. Um, they are you know they're they're struggling with it. But Michelle's one of the strongest people I know. And, um, you know, they're just they're working through the process, which is really all you can do at this point. And if there's anybody that listening that can help in a number of ways, whether it's a donation, whether it's creating awareness, uh, whether it's some sort of health assistance i don't know but if you can help in any way um you can reach out to me jason hammer here at the hammer and nigel show or is there somewhere that you can send them tim yep uh so we've got links to our gofundme page and to um to buy the the purple t-shirts for uh, rhett syndrome awareness um, we can be found at indiana prospects 25 slash 26 on facebook uh twitter is at prospects 25 underscore 26 send all that information to me and i'll put that on hammer and nigel yeah. show at the end of this segment Okay, okay. And we do have Instagram at Indiana underscore prospects underscore 25 underscore 26. Sorry, that's a long one, but I'll get it sent to you. Yeah, yeah. We'll send them to Hammer and Nigel, and we'll put that up, and uh, hopefully we can get some shares of the story, some awareness, some money raised, maybe some health officials can weigh in. You brought some beverages over here, right? I did. I did. So got some uh, Metazoa easy drinking, um, just, you know, amber ale. Well, send uh, one so, over here. Let's drink one to this young lady. Absolutely. Because she's fighting her backside off. And uh, I'll tell you what, the baseball, the softball community, we come together for this kind of stuff, hey, man. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll crack one open here. We'll have this information posted at Hammer and Nigel here in just a moment. Uh, Tim, thank you so much. And this is to Cheyenne. Yes, yes, thank Cheers. you so much. Oh, that's really good. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, uh, coming up here in just a moment, Rob Kendall is going to go off the rails. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. And now. And Nigel go off the rails with Rob Kendall on 93 WIBC. It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Jason Hammer. The gun guy, Guy Relford, filling in for Big Nige and in studio and ready to go off the rails is Rob Kendall. Thanks as always to our segment sponsor, Garage Doors of Indianapolis. So we're getting down to the nitty-gritty here, my friend. We are less than 30 days away until the midterms. We are starting to see a lot of these debates take place. Now, for the big, sexy races, a lot of people watch them. But for these smaller races, only nerds like us watch these so the audience doesn't have to. 
<laughs> so this takes us to into the Secretary of State uh, debate that took place this past week, Rob. Again, nobody wants to watch this. Nobody's going to. And I don't think anybody did watch this. But <laughs> you did. What was your takeaway? Well, the biggest takeaway is the fact that the Republican candidate for Secretary of State, Diego Morales, the old cowardly lion, did not show up. And you're right. Is there going to be a million people watching on a Tuesday night? No, but it's not about the sheer numbers who are watching. It's about having an obligation to the taxpayers, to the 7 million citizens who want to participate, to know where you stand on the issues because the Secretary of State's office next to the governor's uh, office is the most important office in the state of Indiana. When you look at the Secretary of State controls everything from elections to business licensure and all points in between, it's totally disrespectful to the people to not even bother to show up. So Mindy and I talked about this the other day when she was filling in for Nige. The kind of person that would sit down and watch a Secretary of State debate. you got to be a politico if you're sitting down to watch that. Don't you already have your mind made up? Yeah, for the most part, if you're watching. But the point is, it's not about that. It's about saying, look, this debate is going to be on statewide television and radio. I want to be the second most powerful person in the state of Indiana, especially if you're Diego, where you've already flip-flopped on your key campaign issue, which was limiting early voting. Nobody has any idea what Diego Morales' views on basically anything are as it relates to the job itself. Let's remove all the sketchy things about him, that he was fired from the Secretary of State's office, that he was about to be fired again before he quit, that nobody has any idea what he does for a job, that there's all sorts of questions about his military record, that he spent almost $44,000 on a car, a campaign car. Let's just take all those things aside. The average person Regular people, even the people in his campaign, probably have no idea what his position on these issues are because the one thing we knew, he just totally flip-flopped on. So where was he? What was his excuse? He was at a Lincoln Day dinner, uh, apparently trying to shore up Republican votes, which is pretty weird, 30 days outside of an election or inside of 30 days outside of an election to be at Republican Lincoln Days begging Republicans to vote for you. Yeah, that seems a little odd. Shouldn't you already have that? portion of the vote locked up here's the thing that people need to realize is everything about this guy is sketchy and we it comes back to you know the allegations that were made uh for the people who talked to abdul in the cheat sheet and, and in the politics i don't even factor that in but what you do factor in is when everything about the guy doesn't make sense to you when everything about the guy doesn't add up when you can't answer simple questions like why were you fired from this office well the democrats and the media are out to get me no 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 why is there paperwork from Todd Rokita, with Todd Rokita's letterhead on it saying you were fired from this office? Why is there paperwork with Charlie White's letterhead on it saying you were about to be fired from this office? You Answer these. these are, this is not gotcha journalism. These are factual things that happen, and his only answer is to not answer it. And then when he has an opportunity to answer it, he just no-shows the debate. It's, it's giving a middle finger to every taxpayer when you refuse to debate. Even Todd Young is going to debate. So I'm a betting man. I know you are a betting man rob if you were going to put odds out right now is diego still the favorite to win this race or has destiny wells leapfrogged him the democratic challenger to be the favorite in this race yes diego is still the favorite because indiana is so republican and outside of this listening area it's the same thing rainwater ran into 
in 2020. Rainwater did phenomenal inside of the WIBC listing area because we have an audience and we have listeners who pay attention and for the most part make people earn their votes. But when you're in whateverville or you're in the corners of the state where we don't reach and people aren't don't have radio talk show hosts who are pounding this into their heads that you've got to think through this, who these people are, a lot of people are just going to straight ticket vote and they'll probably be enough of that. Jeff, Jeff Moore, the Libertarian, is the best candidate statewide the Libertarians have ever ran. And he will probably end up with somewhere between 10 and 12% of the vote, but Diego could still win 45, 43, 12. He still wins the election. I still maintain, had Donald Rainwater on that statewide yes. debate stage, looked at Eric Holcomb and called him a lockdown yes. McGee to his face, he would have had a lot more support. And and you say that, but I honestly believe that, all kidding aside, because what would the conversation then have been? It would have been millions of dollars of earned media for the Libertarian. Libertarian Donald Rainwater calls Eric Holcomb lockdown McGee. How many <laughs> times have people have heard the name Donald Rainwater the win him? And so we told, we had uh, James Siniak, who's the Libertarian candidate for U.S. Senate on the show today. He's got a debate Sunday night with Todd Young and Tom McDermott. And I told him, I said, if you do not at some point during that debate, and I'd do it right out of the gate, call Todd Young the Duke of Spendingburg <laughs> during that debate. I'm going to be brutally disappointed in you because, again, what will people be talking about? Todd Young was called the Duke of Spendingburg in a statewide debate. And then they will have to research why is he called that? What does that mean? And that's all good if you're the Libertarian candidate here who doesn't have the money that these two candidates have. James Siniak will make an egregious mistake just like Donald Rainwater made an egregious mistake if he does not call Todd Young the Duke of Spendingburg. Listen, I don't want to speak on behalf of everybody listening right now, but I'm telling you, I know our audience, there's a lot of people that will put his name down on their ballot if he goes on television in a statewide Senate debate and he looks at Todd Young and calls him the Duke of Spendingburg. Absolutely. They but will vote for him. You have nothing to lose, James. You only have votes to win because the people who hate Todd Young are going to vote against him anyway. Rob Kendall joining us from the Kendall and Casey show, 9 to noon here at 93 WIBC. Uh, this past week, we had the Marion County Prosecutors debate. And this is the one that's kind of got my attention because I live in yeah. Marion County. I am a resident of Marion County. And one of the worst kept secrets in the city was told by Ryan Mears this past week in this debate, where... They were discussing the aggressive homeless situation downtown. I mean, if the homeless folks are going to harass a big, strong dude like Guy Relford, <laughs> whose nickname is The Gun Guy, you know, they'll harass anybody. Right. So the subject of the aggressive homeless problem on the circle was brought up, and the incumbent, Ryan Mears, the unelected current prosecutor of Marion County, basically says his solution, send them all to hotels over by the airport. There's a bunch of hotels over by the airport. You can put them there. They can fix themselves. We'll appoint a judge to them, and that'll get them out of downtown. You know, one of the biggest problems we have in society right now, well, two things, and we saw them both on display in this debate with Ryan Mears and Cindy Carrasco, in which Ryan Mears declared Indian, downtown Indianapolis to be safe. 
His words, Indianapolis, downtown Indianapolis is safe. It is a failure of anyone in political office, current incumbents, to own failures. Because in any business or whatever, people fail. It happens. You try things, they don't work, whatever. But the key to a business is looking and going, okay, that didn't work. Let's own it didn't work. Let's figure out why it didn't work. Let's fix it. But when you just say, oh, no, everything's fine. It's super safe. You're not owning the obvious, which is this place is dangerous, and you're apparently not going to do anything about it. Last year was a record homicide year last year. Now, it's down a little bit this year, but we're still on pace for over 200 homicides. Indianapolis is outpacing Chicago per capita for homicides. The last three years have all been just a hellhole, and he's going to sit there with a straight face and tell people, oh, yeah, downtown's safe. Well, yeah, that's the argument you're making now is homicides are down. It's the same ridiculous argument Biden is making on inflation. Well, it went from 9% down to 8.5%. Yeah, but it's still 8.5% higher than it was last year. Well, it's down from the record level. Yeah, but it's still markedly higher than it was in the case of homicides three, you know, four or five years ago. This is unacceptable, and we don't have any ownership in terms of something's not working. We need to fix it. And again, this solution, if you want to call it that, of sending the aggressive homeless to these hotels by the airport this has been going on for a while. Where do you think these people go when a major sporting event comes in, whether it's the Final Four, the Big Ten Tournament, uh, some sort of major convention? Where do you think these folks go? Folks on the West Side will tell you this has been happening for a long time. How would you like to work at the airport or be somebody that works at one of these hotels and you know this is what they're doing. Yeah, you know, the other day, last Friday, I guess it was, when we were on with Dan Dockage together, I was killing time that 30 minutes before my when my show ended and we went up to do Dan's show. And I told you, I said, I'm going to go walk around the circle. And you said, count the homeless people. And this is the middle of the day. I counted, I think it was eight or nine homeless people just hanging out on the circle. Now, they weren't being violent. They weren't accosting anybody. Right. But what sort of visual is that for you? Come to our city. There will be eight to nine homeless people in the most prominent part of your city just lounging around out there that's not a good look for the city it's unhealthy for the city can you come back for one more break sure we got rob kendall here from the kendall and casey show we're going off the rails it's the hammer and nigel show more when we come back all right rob kendall with us kendall and casey show nine to noon right here on 93 wibc are you guys ready for a night with WIBC? Oh, it's going to be great. Uh, you know, every year, Hammer, I have a different woman that comes up on stage <laughs> with me. It's really a streak I've got going. You truly are talk radio's version of Menudo to where... <laughs> Every two years, when your female sidekick ages out, you have to replace them with another version. Yeah, you know, I am. Uh, I have managed to alienate women in ways never <laughs> thought possible, and I've done it with everything, with coworkers, with girlfriends. Sure. I mean, I am. Here's how it always works, and it, it's amazing how with Mock and Daisy, it was the same way it's been with almost every girlfriend, which is the first year or two. It's wonderful. It's amazing. It's incredible. <laughs> and then after about year one, one and a half, they go, it's not an act. <laughs> he really is that way. I look forward to next year's night with WIBC when Giselle comes out with you. And uh, the Kendall and Giselle show. Uh, now, we talked about this earlier today. I don't know the number right now, but as of this morning, I think there were 15 tickets left. Yes. 15 tickets left for a night with WIBC. Uh, you can go to Ticketmaster.com, 
Just search for WIBC. We've got it pinned to the top of the Hammer and Nigel Show Facebook and Twitter. Um, people are going to get their money's worth. Oh, though. yes. We take this stuff really seriously. We want to make sure everybody gets their money's worth. And right before the midterms, that crowd's going to be into it, man. I've been working on my monologue for the uh, segment that Casey and I are going to do together. Uh I'm not going to use the phrase, wow you with my charm and charisma, but there is a very good chance you will be completely wowed <laughs> with my charm and charisma. Uh, so, again, I got my sports betting show tonight. So after the Hammer and Nigel show ends, I run upstairs to our sister station, 107.5 The Fan, and I host You Bet with Bet Rivers. Your Chicago Bears are in the mix yes. tonight. Washington, the fighting Carson Wentz's are taking on the Chicago football Bears. Am I an idiot for thinking the Bears got this tonight? No, and you will probably not hear this for the rest of the year, but hammer those Bears. Here's, Bear down, baby. Here's the deal with the Bears, and I'm going to steal a phrase from Dan Dockich that he says on his show, on the road, the Bears stinks. With an S. With the plural. That's how bad. <laughs> they stink plural. But at home, they're pretty good. Justin Fields, uh, he has players that are the talent equivalent of you and me around him. <laughs> but he is a dynamic player, and there is no way the Bears are going to let Ron Rivera, former Chicago Bear, come into Chicago and beat the Bears. I'm so confident, I think I'll give three to the Redskins. I'll buy up whoa, some points. Whoa, Let's whoa, whoa. Look at this guy. <laughs> Party at Cheryl's Bar and Applebee's. <laughs> Brownsburg, here he comes. Uh, what do you got coming up tomorrow? Well, we're going to get into this fact that the Parkland shooter did not get the death penalty. How is that even possible? Man, if I had my pay-per-view death channel, I'd be really ticked yeah. off right now that we weren't going to get that execution. Yeah. Well, we'll worry about that another day. Uh, Rob Kendall, thank you so much. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Be sure to catch us every weekday, 3 to 7, on 93 WIBC, or subscribe and get it right to your phone.